Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. And today we are going to bust so many myths, it's not even funny, because I have with me my very special guest, Dr. Pamela Douglas from Australia. Dr. Douglas, welcome. Hi, Marie. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. Well, uh, by way of information, for those of you who might not have joined us for a previous show, Dr. Douglas is a medical doctor, but she is also PhD prepared. She has done research. She does and continues to do clinical work. She is definitely one of my heroes because she's just hugely academically brilliant, and yet she has a foot very clearly planted in the clinical camp. Those are two things that I always prided myself on, although I definitely did not have her level of expertise. So uh, I'm very delighted to have her here to talk with you more where we left off last time. Now, last time, we were talking about uh, upper lip tie and tongue tie, and more specifically, posterior tongue tie. I'm not going to tell you that I've read every word that Dr. Douglas has ever written, but I've read an awful lot of what she has written, and she makes a lot of sense to me, because talk about evidence-based, she really has her science, and she's not afraid to say when the science does not exist. So basically, last time she said, well, not all of these babies need to have their tongues clipped. Not all of these babies need to have uh, laser phrenotomies. So then I posed the question to her, okay, they're still having trouble breastfeeding. If we don't do a surgical correction of the posterior tongue tie or the upper lip tie or whatever we've got, then then what exactly is it that we do? And one of the things that she suggests is to explain what's going on. She says, we really need to understand the biomechanics of infant suck. So when you say biomechanics of infant suck, can you tell us what does that mean? Yes, thanks, Marie. So uh, when we're talking about the biomechanics of the infant suck, we're talking about studying the structure and the function of both the baby's mouth and the mother's breast and how they relate together to affect that milk transfer. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, You're, this is why you prefer to refer to it as fit and hold rather than latch and positioning. Well, I like to use fit and hold just because I think it's a more relaxed um, terminology, to be honest. Um, okay. In my mind, latch and positioning sounds... Mm, 
a little bit. The, the, the latch sounds a little bit um, mechanical. And uh-huh. in the gestalt breastfeeding that I know you and I are going to, to talk about, we're really interested in the wholeness of the mm. woman's experience as she breastfeeds Absolutely. the baby. And so we really take care with language. Um, try to strip away clinical and medical terms as much as we can. So fit and hold just feels a friendly but expressive way of describing to the woman what we're really trying to um, get right in order to protect the breastfeeding to have good, efficient milk transfer that doesn't cause pain. So with that good, effective milk transfer, which all of us want. The Mm. clinicians want, the mother wants, the baby wants. No argument there. Everybody wants Mm -hmm. this. I know that you have been seriously involved in ultrasound studies there in Australia. So because our discussion has largely been centered around the tongue, my question is, what is the role of the tongue in milk transfer. Okay, so um, just to fill you in, I've had the privilege of collaborating with um, Donna Geddes and the Hartman Human Lactation Research Group at the University of Western Australia. Um, And uh, this has been um, firstly in the context of a, a small preliminary study of our gestalt breastfeeding but also in the context of a paper that um, I've written with Donna that's still, you know, in the, 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 the long processes of, of being reviewed and so forth, that takes um, her uh, review from 2016 of all the ultrasound studies that had been done looking at the breastfeeding pair and interprets that through um, clinical experience, which is actually through the third dimension of volume because ultrasound is actually a two-dimensional system of imaging mm. that can, ha- can happen over time. But um, we've needed to take all that fantastic work that she and her team have been doing and which they summarised in this 2016 paper called Ultrasound Imaging of Breastfeeding, A Window to the Inside. And we've um, made sense of that in the clinical context. What are the implications of um, all that we're learning now through the ultrasounds of breastfeeding mother-baby pair how, pairs? How can we make sense of that in the clinic when we're really wanting to help um, women uh, deal with these many issues that can come up and undermine breastfeeding. So <clears throat> your question then is about what do we what do we find in this work about the role of the tongue? Yes, yes. And this is this is um this is quite um, challenging really for us all because what we find is really quite different to the models upon which we've been operating um, in recent decades. So we've had the um, old, what you might call, um, stripping action model of tongue uh function. And in fact, the stripping action model gives rise to a structural model of infant suck dysfunction. So the stripping 
action model has said, look, it's the tongue that um, has peristaltic wave-like movement that compresses the breast tissue and draws the milk out. Um, and, and then, of course, if we're operating out of that model, we think when things are going wrong, there must be some structural problem in the tongue. Right. And, of course, this is where the, the concern about um, oral connective tissue comes yeah. in. We know that classic tongue tie is definitely a serious problem and needs to be dealt with. But more broadly, operating out of this stripping action model, folks have thought, well, maybe it's all this oral connective tissue that we're starting to be aware of that's causing the problem. So it's a structural cause for the infant suck. But when we really look these, these wonderful new ultrasound studies that are coming out, we see that the tongue has quite a different role in, um, in the biomechanics of infant suck. So what we're seeing is that the real driver of milk transfer is the way the jaw drops. And this happens as a reflex once the, the lips and uh, buccal surfaces of the infant mouth contact the breast, the jaw will, as a reflex, start to drop. And the dropping of the jaw actually creates um, vacuum. And it's the vacuum that then draws up more and more and more of that breast tissue into the oral cavity as the jaw drops. So this happens incrementally in the early part of the breastfeed. Um, and, and the tongue itself drops down with the jaw. So the tongue itself it is actually like a, a cushioning mattress or a, mm. a molding mm. supple organ that certainly um, enfolds under the breast, but only in so far as it's following the jaw. So when the jaw drops, the tongue drops, and when the jaw lifts, then the tongue is, is also rising back up. Um, so you can see that actually we're not looking at a kind of driving, stripping action of the tongue. Now, I could talk in great detail about this, Marie, so you keep me on track. Did you want, <laughs> to talk, did you want me to talk more about what we've found about the way the tongue tongue works? I think what I want you to help me with here is you've helped me to understand that the, for lack of a better term, the stripping action that many of us have been exposed to over the years, you're saying that's just totally not true. It's uh, not true. And you're also saying that this supple organ uh, is, I want to ask you about the supple organ. Are you saying that that is necessary for successful milk transfer, that it is supple? As, as, as um, the tongue is, I mean, all babies have, have a tongue, and, and the tongue um, is actually capable of adapting to the amount of breast tissue that's in the baby's mouth, and and it's you know it's it's um, soft and it's sensory. Um, yes. Yes. It's, it's a kind of 
enfolding sensory experience for the for the at least the lower part of that breast tissue that's in the mouth. So in that sense, for sure, the tongue is is part of the the complexity of the oral structures and um, the total biomechanical picture. But um, tongues. Um, in sucking don't have peristaltic movement. In fact, even the concept of peristalsis is not appropriately applied to the tongue because peristalsis is really um, a sequential contraction and dilation of tubular muscle and, 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 and really is inappropriately applied to what we're seeing in infant sucking. Um, and there's, there's also been confusions around... Um, what part of the tongue we're looking at um, in earlier ultrasound studies, there was um, thought that we were seeing posterior humping of the tongue yes. and, yes. and folks then thought, oh, well, that must be due to, say, a posterior tongue tie. Well, in fact, what's being looked at there <clears throat> is the mid-tongue and um, the posterior tongue doesn't move much at all. It falls away almost vertically under the soft palate. So uh, we only have a couple of seconds left. Uh, just yes yep. or no, then uh, the posterior humping doesn't really occur. Is that true? Yes, that's yes. true. All righty. Hey, everybody, do not go away. We will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, your host. I am here today with Dr. Pam Douglas. So before we went to break, we were talking about the role of the tongue, and you have certainly busted some big myths for me. But I want you to talk about, and by the way, audience, you should know that all of these questions that I'm asking her, I got out of like one paragraph in her Uh, one of her articles, so she's got a ton more to say. But I want you to talk about intraoral breast tissue volume. What does that mean, and why is that important? Is that about big breasts? I suspect not. No, you... (coughs) Excuse me, you're right, Marie. It's not about um, the size of our breasts at all. Um, Small breast, big breast um, doesn't impact on breastfeeding in in any sense of capacity to generate milk but but the we're talking here about the amount of breast tissue the volume of breast tissue that's drawn up into the baby's mouth as the jaw drops and what we want for our breastfeeding baby is the biggest intraoral breast tissue volume that we can possibly get but this this occurs by getting that little bubby positionally stable. Um, Because you can see that if we have the little one fitted into our body in a way that means that there's some breast tissue drag that's Ah, pulling against uh against Uh the baby's dropping of the jaw and the creating of the vacuum and the drawing in, if we have breast tissue dragging in another direction, then that baby's capacity to draw up the biggest intraoral volume possible is compromised. Absolutely. Yep. So so you can see that that, um, actually we need to be then thinking about how we can stabilise that little little person against the woman's body. And this, of course, is, is going to be something that we experiment with across our glorious anatomic diversities because we're all so different. The baby's um, face and intraoral cavity, but our, our breasts, our tummies, our bodies, we're all so gloriously different. And so in our gestalt breastfeeding, what we're wanting to do is to communicate to women just what we're wanting to do to get that bubby really stable and to get the big um, intraoral volume to get all that breast tissue in the mouth. And then she starts to experiment with these concepts 
um, to make it work with her body and her bubby. I'm thinking of Dr. Jane Morton, who has said that breastfeeding is a dance. And I'm thinking that when we adults have a dance with a partner, it's the same idea. We can have partners of different heights or weights or or whatever, bigger shoulders, smaller shoulders, whatever, and we make the dance work because we fit. And we certainly do not drag. And I think that's perhaps some analogy of what you're saying. Talk yeah. about the landing pad, because yeah. you you say, and, and you very strongly discourage this compressing of the breast or this sandwich. And for the record, I have never, ever talked to a woman about making a sandwich with her breast because it just makes no sense to me. And I have no science for that. It just makes no sense. But... You say, don't do the sandwich, make the landing pad. Uh, Talk to us about the landing pad. Yes. Well, when we're working with the gestalt breastfeeding, we've started by explaining to the woman what we're wanting to get with the the, um, drawing up of the breast tissue. Then we ask her to to prepare her body and, in fact, her mind, really, um, but her body for the breastfeeding. And part of that is just making sure that we've got a landing pad exposed on her breast. Now, because we're wanting that little one to have a symmetrical face breast berry, we want that little face planted into the breast planted. in a way that, yes. yeah, yes. yeah, I like and that symmetrically, word. Yes. symmetrically too, so that um, there's those four points of contact. Um, that Robin Thompson speaks about. We've been using the word face, breast, berry. And uh-huh. uh, and you can think of it as the, the, the two cheekbones, the nose and the chin, all symmetrically buried in. But you can see that to do that, a woman's breast needs to be exposed so that there's something like a five-centimetre radius landing pad exposed around the nipple and areola. And this is really important because... Our bras can get in the way of that Mm. and turn off the baby's Mm. breastfeeding reflexes. Even an upper arm coming up too close can get in the way of the bub being able to really bury his or her face in. Um, And then, of course, our lovely um, tummies, especially our lovely round post-birth tummies, but, you know, we're also variable. Our tummies can also... um, um, compromise that landing pad and so there's a number of things that we might support the woman to do just to make sure that that baby has a landing pad to bury in the face so beautifully and of course we can't even think of the landing pad then without going on to think about how we turn on the bubby's breastfeeding reflexes get that little one really positionally stable against her body and once we've got we run through the five steps of the Gestalt breastfeeding. Um, uh, Pam, let me stop you there. Let me ask yep, you, yep, please. No um, uh, Suzanne um, Coulson, who was on our show last year, yeah. talks yeah. about the fact that when the baby is on in a way that he wants to be on, at the angle that he wants to be on, that that helps to release those reflexes. Would you agree with that? Uh I actually think it's more of a dance and that as women, <laughs> okay. we, we, we actually also need to have a sense for what we're 
guiding the little one too. So we want to turn on the reflexes, but also we need to have a sense of how best to support the bubby to get that face breast berry. And this is because we're also anatomically diverse. Definitely. We have to yeah. we have to support our little one to get the right fit and hold, the right positional stability with our unique body. Um, Another one that comes to me, and uh, please, ladies, forgive me if I'm wrong on this. I can't remember if it was Shirsten uh, Yvnis Moberg who did this work or one of her colleagues, because as you know, they all publish together. But they talked, I believe it was in 1992 or so, they talked about the chin indenting the breast. Would that be the face, Barry, that you're talking about or something different? Uh, it's part of the face. Part of, okay. For sure. So we don't want to see the baby's lips. And in fact, when that little uh, face, the lower part of the face is is deeply buried, we're not seeing what's happening with the chin. But we would want that little head slightly tilted back. And that happens as you do your micro movements once Mm -hmm. the bubs come on. So Mm -hmm. we don't have to wait for the baby to get a big gape when they come on, but we certainly turn on the little one's reflexes by having the face buried into the breast above the nipple and areola and as the chin and lower lip press into the breast then the little bub starts to do the bobbing and the the rooting oh yes Mm. and and Mm -hmm. and we've got the little one in 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 a cradle hole supported on the woman's forearm and she can just support the bub as he or she finds their way down to the nipple. They come on, not with a wide gape, but just come on as they come on. There'll be some gaping reflex. Bring them on. And what's critical then is that the woman starts with her micro movements, tuning into her breast sensation to find where it feels absolutely right, watching the bub to see where that little one is becoming really deeply relaxed and able to transfer that milk very comfortably. I want to take a slight turn here before we go to the break, and that is about aerophagia or aerophagia-induced reflux. You don't seem to agree with that. Uh, First of all, uh, give us a really simple uh, visual on what that would look like, and in the few minutes that we have left, tell us why you think that's not correct, that there's no such a thing. Yeah, the concept is that Um, breastfeeding babies are swallowing air and that if there are latching problems, there are um, swallowing excessive amounts of air and that this then um, is a mechanism for reflux and it causes unsettled behaviour. The problem is that this is just not borne out by all that we know about the mechanisms of reflux and it's also not borne out by the ultrasound studies that are looking for air in the stomach. There's there's, there's actually our breastfed babies aren't swallowing more air um, in the context of breastfeeding difficulties at all. All babies will swallow just a little bit of air, which they'll relieve themselves of regardless of what position they're in. But the yeah. concept of aerophagia-induced reflux is a misconception. And even that matters. The, oh, excuse me. Even if the baby has a tongue tie? Yes. It's, yes, it's a misconception. Um, it's, it's, um, if we've got a classic tongue tie, we've got a range of, of um, significant dysfunctions and a classic tongue tie for sure um, needs to be released. But 
Otherwise, when we're looking at little ones with breastfeeding problems, across their whole lovely range of oral connective tissue um, configurations, the concept of erophagia-induced reflux is not helping women because it's a misconception, but it means that women are feeling that they've got to do um, frequent burping throughout feeds. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Some ladies are being told that they've got to try to feed the baby in a more upright position, which, of course, completely undermines fit and hold and impairs milk transfer and causes nipple pain. Um, They're disrupting, feeling that they've got to disrupt that lovely neurohormonally induced drowsiness at the end of feeds by holding the baby upright for a time or burping the baby. So it's it's a, believe me, I've spent decades studying the, the mechanisms yes. that underlie reflux and, and this is a, a complete misconception that can be very, very disruptive for families. We will give you it's an opportunity to talk more about that on the other side of the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. 
To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso, your host, and I'm here today with Dr. Pamela Douglas from Australia. Dr. Douglas, in your research and your resulting publications, you have repeatedly insisted that fit and hold, what we in the U.S. would call positioning and latch, is an unrecognized explanation for unsettled infant behavior. And we certainly have seen plenty of of babies that are, in fact, unsettled. But uh, what sort of characteristics would you say typify unsettled behavior? Yes, so, uh, you know, unsettled infant. Fussing, crying, pushing away from the breast, those sorts of things. All of that, all of that, that's right. The back arching, the back arching, the breast is a big one. Um, And then the little one who just starts to dial up throughout the feed or, or after the feed. Um, unsettled infant behaviour, of course, is, is complex, but I have argued um, for many years that unidentified breastfeeding problems are, you know, a, a very significant contributor to unsettled infant behaviour. So um, there are those bubbies who, who scream, cry and scream for long periods each day. Um, but when we're talking specifically around what's happening at the breast, um, the fussing, the, the frustration, difficulty coming onto the breast, coming onto yes. the breast and then coming off quickly, slipping off yes. the breast, getting yes. frustrated. Um, I've seen all that and much then, more. Yep, and then and then starting to cry, um, not wanting to come back on but, but appearing not to be satiated. All of this is terribly distressing, of course. Um, well, very parent. often the mother will say to me, he doesn't like me or he doesn't like my milk or uh, she, yeah, you've heard those it, things as yeah, well. Yeah, very and, upsetting. And yes. and I, I you know, like yourself, I say, you know, the, the baby has this hardwired um, love for the breast, but there's some things that are getting in the way at the minute and that's what we want to unravel, you know. Um Talk about so, positional stability because I know that that also is somewhat related to this discussion. What is you talk a lot in your articles about positional stability, and I might add that when I give my comprehensive lactation course live, which I do, I don't know, four or five or six times a year, uh, it's always the occupational therapists who really want to get right into that discussion about uh, the stability. Now, they don't call it positional stability, but I want to hear what do you think this is and how do we help the baby to achieve it? Yes, yes. So, it's critical because if the little one's not positionally stable, then he or she is not going to be able to draw up all of that breast tissue deeply into the mouth the way they need to. So, positional stability um, requires setting the little one up for the very biomechanics of the suck that we've talked about at the beginning of our conversation here today. So we find that for most women, most of the time, 
having a cradle hold right across, horizontally across her body, tucked up under the other breast with the spine aligned, the little head slightly tilted back, um, with, with the baby's head on her forearm is, is the first step in, in, in um, having the baby really nice and stable. She's already prepared her body and we have her really semi-reclined, Marie. Are we talking um, about a newborn or an older baby? So, you know, <clears throat> both newborns um, and the older baby because particularly if we've got breastfeeding issues that we're repairing in the older child, in the older bubby, then we really need to go back to these basic principles of how do we turn on the baby's breastfeeding reflexes. So we have the mum semi-reclined and then there's three ways we turn on that baby's reflexes. The the chest and tummy, you you, you know, all of this work will be familiar, intimately familiar to you, but the chest and tummy flat against her body. um, Those those little hands bare and effectively embracing her in the breast, never between her body and the bubby's body. And then right. um, that chin and lower lip that we talked about before uh-huh. being pressed uh-huh. up into the breast, that'll turn on the bub's reflexes and she guides him using her forearm down onto the breast. But once the baby's on, what's critical are the micro-movements. And the fourth Mm. step in our gestalt breastfeeding is the power of Mm. micro-movements. So this is where a woman really tunes in to what she's feeling in her breast and to what the bub's behaviour is telling her. So she does these little millimetre here, millimetre there movements till we've got a situation where there is no breast tissue drag, where that little face is so beautifully buried into the breast that as the jaw drops, more and more and more breast tissue is drawn in until that little one's mouth is so full of breast tissue, uh, you know, wide open, (laughs) and then we start to get our milk transfer. Pam, um, there are two things that are jumping out at me here. One yeah. is, um, I used to be more encouraging of the cradle hold than what I am now. But when I hear you talking, what makes me think is, I don't have the mother in the cradle hold in a reclined position. What yeah. we in America would call uh, the Adirondack chair. I don't suspect you have that in Australia, but uh, it's where the, the body is. Let's see if I can do this in my own chair. Uh, like, uh, I don't know, like 20 to 30 degrees uh, uh, back or so. And and no, we don't. We have the mothers upright in the cradle hold. And my guess is that that, that the cradle hold does not work that way. Yes, I think you're right. Okay. We, okay. we really invite being semi-reclined. Now, I'm forever saying to women that this is about repair and as things start, you know, when we're talking with, with a baby who's outside the hospital context, for instance, uh-huh. we'd love to see all of this in place right at the very beginning with the skin on skin too. Of course. But, but you know, if we're looking at... Um, woman out in the community will I'm always saying it's about workability so when you're out and we love to have mothers out of the house you know um, but when you're out it's about workability you do what you can without feeling too conspicuous but but when you can getting very reclined you know because that deck chair position really turns deck on chair. the baby's yes. 
Yes, that's what deck I need. Chair. Deck chair. Yep. Yes, that's it. Yes. So yes. it really helps turn on. It opens up her lap, helps the bub get really beautifully buried into the breast, and um, and you know effectively turns on those breastfeeding reflexes. When you so talk, we we have a footstool under her feet when we're. Oh, yes. Yes, I would agree with that as well. Uh, When you talk about these micro movements, as you were talking, what what came up in my mind is totally not related to breastfeeding. But that is mothers who are in labor. And you can tell that the labor and delivery nurse in me is coming out here. But if you let women get themselves into a, a place that feels right, their their delivery goes so much more easily rather mm. than having them confined mm. or saying, no, you have to be this way or that way. Mm. And it occurs to me that when you talk about the micro movements with breastfeeding, uh, I, I would not characterize what the laboring woman does as a micro movement, although maybe maybe it is uh, in, it to some degree. But, but she's really got to be in tune. She's got to be in tune with her own body delivering that baby or breastfeeding that baby that means that the rest of us might not know exactly uh, where that is but before we uh, close out here I, I noticed that you are very very clear in saying and you've said many times that the tongue does not need to extend beyond the lower gum line the tongue yes. does not need to be able to lateralize and the tongue does not need to be able to uh, lift independently during sucking now That's- I just I just wrote a new publication here a month or so ago, and I do not think I gave that impression. <laughs> so, so tell me, what the, most breastfeeding expert would, would say that these are essential for transfer, and a tongue-tied baby can't do those, and therefore the tongue-tied baby needs the uh, surgical correction. Set us straight. Yes, well... Putting aside the classic, the severe classic tongue tie that does yes. need surgical correction. Yes, put that aside. I'm yes. just in the privileged position of, of um, seeing the very latest that's coming out in the ultrasound studies, Marie. And the very latest um, is showing really clearly that in good, healthy um, sucking, the infant tongue is not necessarily going beyond that lower alveolar ridge, certainly not lateralizing. Um, during sucking, and that would make make sense to you, and and yes, actually, yes. it 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 doesn't move independently of of the jaw. Um, so the the tip of the tongue may move three millimeters independently. That's not applying pressure or grasping the breast. It just seems to be a reflex as it's coming up. But that's tiny, tiny. This is this is not independent movement of the tongue that's driving. Um, the transfer of milk. It's really a tongue that's following the jaw, creating that that vacuum if we've got the infant beautifully stable positionally um, in its fit to the mum's body. And then we start to we start to get the the lovely milk transfer with the nipple beautifully protected, free of pain up near the junction of the hard and soft palate. So would you go so far as to say that if the baby cannot extend the tongue out over the lower gum line, if he cannot lateralize, and if he cannot lift the independent, uh, lift independently, uh, that, that, that that does not necessarily indicate the need for a uh, surgical correction? Would you go so well, far as to say that? Well, I think that? we have to do, in our assessments for um, uh 
the infant's um, structure and function of oral cavity. We do it in a holistic way. So we just have to bear in mind that any attempt to do an assessment um, just by looking in, in the baby's mouth, by using our fingers, by, by assessing um, suck on, on, a, on a finger and so forth, is not actually translatable into the functional context. Uh-huh. That's part of the problem because the stripping action model was based on digital and teat um, right. studies. Right. So, so, in fact, we have to do this holistic assessment that um, includes functionality, which includes actually the Gestalt model, I would argue, because we've got to have beautiful positional stability and, and uh, lovely intraoral breast tissue volume without breast tissue drag before we can seriously assess the function Absolutely. And isn't Um, that wonderful, Pam, because you just gave me my clue to lead right into the next section where we're going to talk about Gestalt uh, when we come back. We'll be right back, everybody. Don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back, where I am here talking with Dr. Pam Douglas, who is an absolute expert on uh, tongue-tie issues as well as breastfeeding issues in general. And she's really helped us to understand here that, in fact, a surgical correction of a baby's tongue-tie is one possible answer, but not the only answer, as she has talked about many of these techniques that ultrasound studies have shown are, are helpful to the baby, and we really need to, to look at that. But uh, she has also become interested in Gestalt philosophy, and for those of you who might not be familiar, uh, the German psychologist Kurt Kafka is often misquoted. He actually said that the Gestalt model is, quote, the whole is other than the sum of its parts. But he is often misquoted as having said that it is not, that that it is greater than the sum of its parts. And he says, and he's corrected many people, he says, no, 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 I didn't say greater, I said other. So Gestalt psychologists stipulate that these perceptions are the products of complex interactions among various stimuli. So, Pam, if we could please, let's try to bring this gestalt philosophy around to breastfeeding. How would you say that this model is helpful, uh, and, and would you say that it is the opposite of the behavioralist model for understanding what the baby does with his mouth in milk transfer? Well, uh, we, as we started to realize that, that our work was, was really uh, quite innovative and we needed to find a, a way to name it, we, we took the concept of Gestalt Marie because it, it refers to that um, holism, how natural systems and their properties should actually be viewed as, as wholes, not collections of parts. So a, a kind of oneness that arises out of the many, if you like. And this, this is a, a kind of answer to um, a time in breastfeeding support where there's been a very big focus on just one part, which is, you know, the oral connective tissues. So yeah. we're just just using a term that um, reflects how our work is as interested in what's happening biomechanically in the suck as it is in how that baby's body fits into the mother's breast and body and we're also integrating in our work that um, um, attention to sensation so it's really mindfulness and the deep breathing and the conscious relaxation for the woman 
but but focusing on the sensation in her breast as she finds that place where she gets that lovely deep drawing sensation and no pain. Um, so that's that's how we've we've um, named what we're doing the Gestalt breastfeeding. I hear you talking and I'm thinking, I just revised a, a chunk of my comprehensive lactation course and I, I, I ramped up the part about the intraoral cavity. Now I'm starting to wonder if maybe, uh, I, I'm not going to throw it away, but I'm thinking that while I know when I work with mothers, I know that I do spend a lot of time talking with them about uh, visualization and relaxation, and I go through all of that. And I'm not really sure I teach that to other experts. And I, as I hear you talking about the Gestalt, I'm thinking maybe we all need to be more cognizant of how hugely influential that is with milk transfer. Maybe more than I, maybe more than even I have recognized. Well, certainly in our Gestalt breastfeeding, which is actually available as an online program for mothers and for health professionals on our website at Uh possumsonline.com, we've integrated what's popularly known as acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, So it's really just uh, mindfulness of sensation Um, conscious relaxation for the woman and then of course the paying attention to the little one's cues looking for where that little one is telling us that he or she no longer has to fuss that they're deeply relaxed and focused on transferring the milk. Um, So would it be useful just to touch on the five different steps Marie in the Gestalt breastfeeding? If you can do that in one minute or less, yes. One minute. Okay, so <laughs> explain to the woman, you know, what we're aiming for, the biomechanics of the infant suck without using that language. Um, then it's preparing her body, deck chair mm. position, deeply relaxed, and and her mind, just some deep breathing, perhaps, particularly if there's been pain, you see. And then, and then switching on the baby's reflexes, um, which we've already talked about together. Fourthly, the power of micro-movements. And then fifthly, once everything's come together and, and uh, things are going really well, experimenting with other positions around the dial of the breast. But that's down the track once, once we're confident that she's enjoying pain-free and efficient milk transfer in that delightful breastfeeding relationship. Pam, I am going to leap to the conclusion that many of the babies that you see, no one else has been able to help. Have you, have you ever found a baby that you truly cannot help? Oh, it would be hubris to deny that there are situations where, um, you know, I'm not able to help, for sure. Okay. But okay. mostly, I would have to say, we get good outcomes in our clinic. And it's absolutely true that we're really at the end of the road for many of these women. There's a situation that's a very late presentation but very common and that's a conditioned dialing up at the breast. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Ongoing frustration, not through anyone's fault, but they've just not been able to get stable at the breast and they start to dial up and get tense Mm. as soon as they come near the breast. And whilst we are often able to turn this around, I would have to be honest and say in those late presentations, Marie, um, whilst I still like to think we're value adding, 
um, I would so much love to see um, um, see those mums and bubs a lot earlier on to get in sure. um, and help prevent some of some of this very late um, breakdown in the breastfeeding relationship. I hear you talking and I can see those babies in my mind's eye. I've seen them many, many times and I would totally agree. Pam, before we close out today, could you please tell us how do we find your website? How do we find your book? And how do we find you? Because we know you're coming to the United States. Yes, I'm running um, mother baby workshops in Brooklyn. Um, if you go on to our web, and that's in November, so Brooklyn, New York. If you go to our website, possumsonline.com, under events, you'll find those those workshops. Um, we've got the Gestalt Breastfeeding Online Program available there. We offer Skype consultations, actually, but we've also got online certification. So upskilling in all of these things we've been talking about for health professionals available on the website. My personal website is pameladouglas.com.au where all my publications are accessible. And on my personal website, you'll also find a way in um, to purchase my book, The Discontented Little Baby Book. So that's it, Marie. Oh, that is just absolutely excellent. I would really like to encourage all of you to see what Dr. Douglas can offer you if you are in her locale. Don't delay, because as she said, the longer that it goes on, the more difficult it is to resolve. And so I would want to remind you of that. I would also say if you are not in her locale, uh, please do check out her website. And by all means, if you are in Brooklyn, and I will not be available that day or I would show up, believe me, uh, because I feel like she's got so much to contribute. But in any event, we've learned so much today. Dr. Douglas, thank you so much for being with us. It's been my great pleasure. Thank you, Marie. And I would like to also remind people to come to my website. If you are a professional, it's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'll repeat that. It's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Be sure to read my blog while you're there. It's very easy. Uh, Less than three minutes a day, and I will enlighten you about clinical issues. And, of course, for the radio show, it is borntobebreastfed.com. If you have questions for me or for Dr. Douglas, please send email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. And between now and next week, please remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 